A disclaimer in this week's episode, we are not giving medical or psychological advice, nor are we promoting Alcoholics Anonymous, also known as AA. Please enjoy this episode. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Conversations Beyond the Pew, and I am your forever talker, Reverend Kara Hildebrandt, and today I'm pretty excited because I am sitting with uh, someone from my congregation who I find to be highly, highly wise about life um, and his perspective on life. George has been uh, around uh, this community for uh, his entire life, and he has had an interesting story. Uh, George has not had a life that I would consider easy, um, but it is through his experiences that he has gained some really great wisdom. In fact, he is not afraid to talk on Sunday mornings. I can usually count on George to say something on Sunday mornings during question and reflection time after the sermon. Um, So welcome, George. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So George, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, You have... You've had a very interesting life. Hmm. Yeah, I could say that. A lot of experience. I was born and raised in Taylor. All right. Uh, The family life was was good, was good. You know, I was uh, raised in Taylor. My mom and dad uh, ended up um, having to separate. They they divorced when I was at a young age. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, although it just seemed like life went on, it did affect me. You know, yeah. I lost my hero at a very young age, you mm-hmm. know. But my dad was was an alcoholic and very, very hard for my mother to live with, you know. He drank every day, most of the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my sisters lived upstairs in the house, and I lived right next to the bedroom and the bathroom. Ah, and if you so. would have heard my father every morning... <laughs> Uh, you thought he was going to die. Ah, <laughs> uh, from drinking all the oh, day before, yeah, so a yeah. hangover every morning. Oh, yeah. Because he did hold a job. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he, there you go. It, it was his, uh, his intelligence was amazing. He never missed work. That, it, it didn't matter if his eyes were falling out. Yeah. In fact, that was his downfall when yeah. he uh, was told by my uncle, that was his doctor, to stay home. And rest. He had a pretty bad infection. He kept going to work, and eventually, infection made it to his brain and killed him. Yeah. You know, and you know that was that drive of, you know, and I can relate to that today because I understand how tied I was to my job. Yeah. Because I worked with him in the same factory, and as long as I was holding that job and as long as I was working I was okay yeah didn't matter what was happening in the rest of my life as long as I was working I was fine right because that's what was modeled for you as yeah. a kid yeah. so not only is that type of uh, 
work addiction, mm-hmm. but also then his addiction to alcohol was modeled. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we used to drink our lunch on a on a daily basis. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh. it was amazing. But um, I never saw it as something that was different or odd. Uh-huh. You know, um, we we'd go and have a burger and a few beers for lunch after work. We'd all go to the bar and discuss what happened today, what's gonna, what we need to do tomorrow. That's where decisions were made. Yeah, that's yeah. where deals were made. That's it was it was a handshake and a drink. Oh wow! Okay. And, and that's just the way life was. I thought mm-hmm. it was just normal. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand uh, alcoholism or addiction. Yeah. You know, to me, that was just the way it was. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until very later in life uh, that that I evidently crossed that, what they call that invisible line. Okay. That I couldn't predict my actions when I picked up a drink. Ah. You know, I, I wasn't an everyday drinker. Okay. And I didn't pick up a drink and always have to keep drinking. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand what alcoholism was okay. and addiction was because I didn't think I was. You mm. know? I wasn't living underneath a bridge. I didn't give away my wife, my house, and all that. Yeah. But I found that I read the big book of AA, and I found that... Um, there's a sentence in there that if you can't predict your actions, you might have a problem. Ah. And it made me instantly thought of a day where I had a couple drinks and went home. And then the next day I had a couple drinks and did the sea home for three days. Oh, wow. So I have, I have no idea why. It was just a normal day. Yeah. But, you know, that little reading in that book caught my attention it was like maybe I do have a problem Hmm. and uh, you know admitting that I had a problem was just one step accepting it took a lot longer because admitting it I okay it was my job's fault it was my dad's fault it was my wife's fault it was Ah. I'm still trying to blame others it wasn't me Gotcha. You know, I still go to work every day. I still make a good living, bring home money. I, mm-hmm. I, I deserve to relax and have a few beers. Yeah. Or, you know, a drink or two. But it wasn't until the consequences mm-hmm. of my job telling me, hey, either straighten up your life or don't come back. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, they were going to strip my identity from me. Ah, uh, because work had become your identity, yeah. which had been modeled for you since you were a child. Yeah. So it, it just, that put me in such a fear Yeah. that, okay, um, I'll go to rehab, mm-hmm. you know, and here I'm going for the wrong reason. You know, I'm right. going to save a job. Right. Not going for yourself. It's no, not because you want to change. Not, not that I think I have a problem. I'm going because I need to save this job. Yeah. I need to keep working. I, I, who am I going to be if I'm not working? Right. And uh, so it, I got out, did an IOP, intensive outpatient therapy. Okay. And ended up going to AA meetings and uh, just kept going kept listening, 
do a little more studying in the in the big book of AA and kind of collating that with the Bible. It was kind of weird how much <laughs> AA you can find in the Bible. Yeah. Maybe if I'd have listened when I was younger, <laughs> I wouldn't have to have the other big book. Okay. But uh, there was a change that happened in me, you know. I, I realized that I can't predict what I'm going to do if I pick up a drink. Yeah. And towards the end of that, I was using cocaine on a regular basis mm. to be able to come out of that drunken stupor. It's amazing you survived. Oh, you, you don't know what they put in there. Right. That it's, <laughs> you know, it was right before all this fentanyl stuff started getting mixed oh, in drugs. Yeah. So I consider myself blessed that I didn't have, uh, that, that I got out of it when I got out of it. Absolutely. Now, during that time, though, I uh, I had a relationship with my son. Ah. See, I had divorced my first wife, and uh, my son uh, and me, he worked for me down at the shop, and uh, we basically drank and drugged together for for a couple years, at least a year. So now we're talking even more generations, your yeah. father, then you, yeah. then your son, because yeah. that's what he picked up as normal. And yeah. it, it was funny because I, I reflect back to that. Well, not funny, but I reflect back to it. That's how I bonded with my dad, was going to the bar. The irony of it. Yeah, yeah. it's like, wow. But, you know, he ended up in a lot of trouble, paying a lot more consequences. He went off to prison. And it just... Timing-wise, he went to prison and I went to AA. Okay. So he spent four years in prison, which was actually kind of a relief a relief for me and his mom, because we knew where he was. Yeah, yeah. We knew we weren't going to have to go identify him today. Right. You know, and he was getting food, he was had a place to stay, and it's better than the way he was living his life, if you can believe that, prison being better than the way he was living. Right, yeah. He, he would sleep in an abandoned house. Mm-hmm. You know, he had burned enough bridges. But he got out of prison, and wow, that first day I went to pick him up, I never saw somebody with an anxiety attack until that day. Mm. I took him to his probation or his parole thing, yeah. Where he got all what he has to do. And he came out shaking like a leaf going, I'm going back to prison. I go, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not going to remember all this. Uh, and he didn't know how to function outside because yeah. he had only functioned as an addict. Yeah. He didn't know how yeah. to function sober. Clean. Yeah. And the anxiety was right through the roof. And I'm like, okay, let, let's just go get you some clothes. Right. Get you into the three-quarter house. Get you all set. All you got to do is what they're telling you to do. Take it one day at a time. Right. Now, remember, I've been in AA for four years. Right. So <laughs> you had actually been living a sober life for four years, but he still couldn't yeah, he see couldn't that really, there was, he couldn't uh, make that connection that maybe you had something yeah, to offer. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing um, for him was he just, he couldn't grasp that there was something different. Mm-hmm. You know, he once told me working at the shop that this is a dead-end job for me anyhow. Yeah. Well, there he is trying to identify himself with his job. Ah, because again, that, his and grandfather yeah. and yeah. his father, yeah. And you know what? I, I used to always 
point out bad things about my father. I used mm. to think negative things, but now after being sober, yeah, I can see that change just from his father to my father to me yeah. to my son. Yeah, I can see that change, and it's like wow, needed to break this change somehow. Mm-hmm. So I tried to use that to help my son. You know, you got to break this chain, Mike. Yeah. He had a son. He has a son. And yeah. he uh, he says, Dad, it's hard. It's it's hard. You, you know, you right. don't have to yell at him. You don't have to hit him. You don't, you know, right. all the things that were, every generation did. Right. But uh, I remember him on a Thursday telling me, well, maybe I'll come to AA with you again. You know, because he went to AA before he went to prison, but it, I think he was just doing it to try to get out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he died of an overdose that weekend. You know, and, uh, like, uh, everybody has to find their own bottom to change, Mm. to have the willingness to change. Not just addiction. Yeah. Not just alcoholism. Mm -hmm. But I found that even being sober, I have to really reach a point of, consequences before I'm willing to change. Uh, okay, interesting, well, yeah. You know, it, it, although Mike's death was tragic, he yeah. I remember him telling me that I'll be there, you know, you call me next week, I'll come. Well, death got in the way of his body. Yeah. And I struggled with that because I took all his responsibility of that action, of him dying, and I put it on my shoulders. Right, I remember son, that. My son didn't yes. do anything yeah. wrong. It was all because of me, right. and it took a lot of friends yeah. in the fellowship, a lot of yep. you talking to yeah. make me realize that that really wasn't my responsibility. No, he, that, made, he made that decision. Right, that was his choice. Now, I didn't make great decisions in right. my relationship with him, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I can own up to that. I can say, hey, you know what, I made some bad decisions there, too. Yeah. But I didn't stick the needle in his arm. Right. You know. Right. Well, through these years of sobriety, I ended up going from like 215, 220 to 295. Ah, yes. Oh. Now, here's here's another thing that it took me the willingness to admit and accept that this was a problem that I was causing. You know, my doctor right. started looking at me like, okay, we're going to give you this sugar pill that's going to level your sugar off. And if you don't learn to change your eating habits and drop some weight, you're going to be shooting insulin pretty soon, and your quality of life is going to slowly go down. Yeah. And I asked him, what do you mean? He says, well, the things you like to do, you ain't going to be able to do. Right. And, of course, I got mad. Mm-hmm. Anger, first thing. Right. You know, didn't know who to be mad at, but it was somebody's fault. It wasn't mine. (laughs) (laughs) Right, back to the blame game. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, you know, if them guys wouldn't have fired me at work, Uh, I wouldn't have got so fluffy. (laughs) Ah, okay, all right. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it didn't take long before before I had to accept. It was my problem, and the solution is mine, which is kind of weird because I've found that most of my problems, the solution lies with me. Yeah. I can blame somebody as long as I want, but if I'm not willing to change, then the problem's going to stay the same. Right, right. 
So I joined Weight Watchers, like the doctor said. All right. And I started walking and working out, and I've lost 80 pounds since Nice. Very nice. I've given up four or five different pills, from blood pressure to the sugar pill to this pill to that pill. Yeah. I feel better. Right. Um, You know, uh, the back doesn't hurt like it used to. The legs don't hurt like it used to. And then instantly, you know, when... When I get them feelings of uh, losing purpose, uh, maybe I should go back to work. I'm feeling better. Maybe uh, I should get a part-time job. Right. It, <laughs> it took a good friend, a sponsor, to look at me and say, do you remember how obsessive you were about your job before? I don't think part-time job would work for you. <laughs> I remember you would show up one week to church and you'd be like, oh, sorry, I missed last week. I had to work until, like... Midnight, and then I went back in at 2 a.m. and I'm like, George, George, what do you mean you so, worked? Yeah, it took a friend to sit there and say, "Hey, George, you know, you don't know what part time means." Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So I decided, well, you know, maybe I'm looking for my purpose in the wrong area. Ah. Uh, maybe I'm attaching it to that wrong area. I'm trying to fix that that uh, that useless feeling. Yeah. By picking up the job. Yeah. And I don't know if we all go through that. I know I do. It comes down sometimes, and sometimes it might be just my thinking. Yeah. Taking a small statement or an issue Mm -hmm. and not being able to handle it. Yeah. It's it's like a, a question came up about taking the grandkids to Disney World. Yeah. And my wife said, we can't afford it. And yeah. you, we'd have, you'd have to learn how to save a lot more money. And I'm like, instantly I thought about getting a job yeah. to take care of that problem. And I'm like, well, you know, I went through a little struggle with that. And then I decided, well, hey, why don't we just start trying to save money? Instead of spending 100 a week, let's spend 80 or 60, you know? Right. But um, Or even thinking about how to spend time with your grandchildren that doesn't require Disney World. Yeah, and then it was like, well, you know what? I, we can go out to, uh, in fact, I brought it up, and we're going to go to, to Greenfield Village for our Halloween. It, oh, nice, very, yeah. Some time. Very small amount of money, and we enjoy time together. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and I've never been, last year was the first year I tried going to, my granddaughter joined a swimming team. Okay. Have you ever been to a swim meet? Uh, oh man, that's amazing. There's no, like, but I bet she was she was so excited that you were there. Oh, she she looked up, she's smiling and waving at us. There's like five teams, and they swim right. like twelve different races. I don't know where they get the energy. Right. <laughs> so not all. I mean, your mindset changed not only about what you were putting in yourself and the choices that you make, but then you had to start making choices about um because okay i'm not working anymore so i have less money but how do i begin to spend time with family and and a shift and an unexpected good shift has happened mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of well i'll yeah. just throw some money at it instead of, you know, i walked into it with a lot of fear yeah um my mother was a great mother you know she yeah. raised three kids mm-hmm. and uh, she did a great job did the best she could and there's nothing in my memory that ever had a bad experience with my mother. Yeah. But yet, I was afraid to be with her. 
Yeah. And another friend in the fellowship told me, he says, what you're afraid of is that she loves you unconditionally. Yeah. And you haven't learned how to love yourself. So being yeah. around people that care about you when you don't care about yourself is uneasy. It's uncomfortable. Mm. And I, and it described exactly the way I felt. Ah, such wisdom there. When, when she when she broke her ankle, I was forced to go over there. You're right. For, I think it was three or four weeks. Yeah. And the anxiety of just going was enough to it was going to drive me crazy. Yeah. But I I knew it was the right thing to do, so I went over there, and I prayed. Every morning, every <laughs> afternoon, every evening, God, give me the strength just to accept what's going on. Yeah. I don't have to fix everything. Right. And I think everybody gets caught up into that. They have to fix everything. they got to make a decision right now. Yeah. You know, in this online, you know, social media world, everybody mm-hmm. thinks they have to make a decision immediately. Right. You don't. Take time. Take time to talk to the big guy in the sky. You're right. Ask him for direction. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make snap decisions because I know when I make a snap decision, it usually is not one of the better ones. Right. It's not so, going to go well at some point. And it, it, it's hard sometimes because you feel like you have to. Yeah, you have to keep up with yeah. everybody else. You know, but sometimes the the wisdom comes from taking your time. Mm. Before you know, to look at it from all angles. Nice. Like when I see somebody that's angry or frustrated. Yeah. Or comes at me that way. Yeah. Well, I used to show up with the same anger mm-hmm. right back in their face. Mm. Now I feel, wow, how sad that they have to feel that way. Ah, so you've grown empathy. Yeah, it's like, man, I can remember being angry every day. Oh. Who wants to live like that? Yeah. And I'll listen to him vent. And, you know, you, sometimes listening is the best way to make a friend. Yeah. I can't relate to everything I hear, right. but I can listen to it. Yeah. You know? And I can pray for a person to get some peace in their life. You know, because that's, you know, that's really what we're all trying to, you know, that peace and happiness, you know. It's like I say to people in the fellowship of AA, my peace and happiness is what keeps me sober. What got me sober and got me there isn't Uh the same thing that keeps me sober today. Uh If I I didn't have some happiness and peace in my life, I'd be out there looking for it. Yeah. And I've already tried looking for it that way, and it doesn't come that way. Right, it doesn't work out so well. No, you you, you, you try to buy things. You try, mm-hmm. oh, get a boat, get this, get that. You know, it, yeah. it's happiness for a very short period of time. Material things, although nice, mm-hmm. people enjoy them. But if you put too much stock in them, yeah. like I did, they the, the happiness fades away and you're on to the next thing. Yeah. And you're running around in circles. Yeah. So what did you find? How do you stay, find that happiness? Oh, sorry. Trying to work with others. Okay. Trying to give others. You know, now that um, I have some years in sobriety, mm-hmm. 
I try to pass on something that I didn't have when I started sobriety, and that's faith, hope, and love. Okay. To me, that is what God is to me. That is my higher power. And I try to pass that hope along okay. to other people that I see in that same situation I was in. Yeah. I can relate to them. I can try to tell them, hey, you know, you're thinking too much. Yeah. You're trying to judge yourself right now. You've got a month's sobriety, and you're looking back, and you're judging yourself with sober eyes. Of course it's insane. You're sober. Right. Remember, you were drinking or drugging. or you're, That's where you were when you were making them decisions. Yeah. That's the best decision you can make when you're drunk and high. Right, right. Now that you're sober, you see that's insane. That yeah. should be, use that as motivation. Don't kick yourself about it. Say, hey, ah. if I don't pick up or I don't use, I'm not going to go back there. Right. I can make better decisions today because I'm sober. Yeah, and it, yeah. you know, I still make bad decisions. Ah, but you, I laugh at myself. It's like, ah. well, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I. It's it's funny the things that used to upset me. Just strictly in my family, like with my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very very controlling. Okay. And it took me some meditation and some thinking about it, I caused that. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't like that when I met her. Uh, but if I wasn't doing, you know, if she wasn't controlling and managing things, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have anything. Right, because you would have blown it all in oh, your yeah. addiction. Yes, and it just amazes me that she stuck with me. I really understand what a blessing that was, but through, through better or worse, for richer or poor. Yeah. I mean, she took them vows very seriously, evidently. Yeah. Not as serious as I did because I fell in love with alcohol. That was my mistress. Ah. Uh, you know? And uh, it, the love of my wife wasn't going to stop me. Yeah. The love of my kids wasn't going to stop me. Mm. My mother, my family, my friends. The only thing that stopped me was God. Because yeah. I understood him. He put the proper circumstances in my life. You know, everybody mm-hmm. everybody talks about all oh, that circumstance. No, I don't think I don't believe in circumstances today. Everything happens for a reason. Mm. You know, if you take time to look at different angles of it. Yeah. You know, not just my angle, but maybe right. I should look at it from their point of view. Yeah. You know, and it, well, what I was saying about the wife, she she is so controlling now that it makes me giggle at times, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I'll use my Myers story as an example. Before I was sober, I went shopping with her on occasion. We went to grocery shopping, and she complained that I was parking on the wrong end of Myers. <laughs> I parked down there. And of course, I got angry. Yeah. Somebody's pointing out something I'm doing wrong. Right. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, I, I like we being grocery right. Shopping. I helped her unload the groceries. I got in the truck and left. Didn't come back until the next day. <laughs> well, needless to say, we didn't go grocery shopping together for quite a while. Right. Years later. 
I'm going with her, and I pull into Myers, and I stop, and she goes, what are you stopping for? You didn't tell me where to park. <laughs> and we laugh at each other constantly yeah. about, and there's times it's sad to me. Right. When I see her filled with anxiety about next Friday or next Thursday. Or, yeah. You know, it, it's like, you know, you can plan all you want. Just, just the outcome's not guaranteed. It right, never, never right. It never will be. There's too many variables. Right. Make your plans and be sure you're able to bend. Right. Back and forth. She's not a very good bender. Right. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like golf, right? Yeah. When you when you tee off, you're like, well, my goal is to hit it long and straight towards yeah. the hole. And then it doesn't always work that way, and you just kind of have to start where Whatever you hit you it. it right. You it's like, okay, over. well, we'll we'll hit it from there. Yeah, we'll, very good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are a golf player, too. I've seen yeah, you a couple I times enjoy, out of the course. I, I enjoy that game. And, you know, there was this one movie where this guy said golf is a game to be played. It could never be won. Yeah. And another profound thought. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess he's right because no matter what you shoot, you can always do one better. Right. But it's hard to get in that mindset of being able to, okay, I can plan, but I may, I may have to, to change direction. Yeah. People get, and that's where the anger comes in and people get right. frustrated. Right. Because is control they, they is comfortable. This way. Control yeah. is very comfortable. And, you know, there's a prayer. Uh, uh, St. Francis of Sissy's made. Mm -hmm. You know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot control, the courage to control the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. That's just part of the prayer. It goes on, but just that beginning was like, ah, the kicker's the wisdom. Mm. <laughs> How yeah. do I gain the wisdom to know the difference? Yeah. You know, and I guess I'll always go back and forth with that. Yeah. But I always have that in my mind now, and I know, okay, I try to adjust or change something, and it doesn't work out. I always fall back on that prayer. Maybe I'm not supposed to. Right. Maybe I'm supposed to let this play out. Okay. You know, uh, like as hard as I struggle with my son. Right. Hey, right. God has a plan for him. Who am I to get in God's way. Mm -hmm. And the solace of it is that God gave him the peace he was never going to find here. Yeah. And I fully believe that in yeah. my heart and in my soul that the way his mind worked yeah. and with the way he looked at life, he was never going to find peace. Right. He was too, he was too filled with fear to try something different. Mm. And fear paralyzes growth mm. in my eyes. You know, it, it, there are, look, look, at, look at how I felt about going to my mother's. Ah, uh, yeah. I was so afraid. Have you ever noticed when you're afraid of something and you push through that fear, hey, that was pretty cool. Right, new yeah. things happen, things, something completely unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. That you never thought possible. It, it amazes me today because it, fear doesn't always paralyze me. Yeah. It doesn't always get me to step back and or run the other way. It, yeah. It's like, 
okay, how's this going to work out? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Like, we'll give it a try. Right, you know? right. It can, hold on. Here yeah. we go. Well, I'm on, I'm on anxiety and depression meds. Uh, I okay. got these things early in sobriety. Okay. It was supposed to help me mm -hmm. with high anxiety and low depression because evidently I'm, I was going through a lot of that. Yeah. Trying to stay sober. Yeah. And I had them pills in my house for two, maybe three weeks before I would even think of taking them. Okay. I wasn't going to take them. Ah. Wasn't going to take them. I went to like seven different people mm -hmm. to try to agree with me that I shouldn't take them. <laughs> <laughs> seven opinions. Yeah, I shouldn't take them. Please agree with me. Please tell me what I want to hear. And everybody was telling me maybe, you know, doctor knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I finally ran into one fellow that... Uh, fellow uh, alcoholic that looked at me and says, oh, I was, I'm on them same things. I said, well, will they work? He goes, I don't know, but I ain't taking the chance. <laughs> and that's what changed my opinion. Yeah. It was like, you know, if it's working for him. <laughs> right. But still, it was that fear. Yeah. Of, I don't know if I should. I don't know. You know, something of the unknown. Yeah. What's it going to be like? But I like to keep an uh, optimistic attitude. You know, mm -hmm. it's like even when the worst thing happens, yeah, there is a silver lining. Mm -hmm. My son died. That's a terrible tragedy. Yeah, but I know he's got peace today. Right. Right. And that, and I can live with that. Yeah. I can learn. It doesn't mean I doesn't miss him. Doesn't mean right. I don't still cry over. Him. Right. But I could talk to him daily. Yeah. I know he's safe. I know he's in God's arms. Yeah. And I know he's at peace. Right. He's he's probably chuckling at me occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm kind of curious. Um, what do you want others to know about the journey of sobriety? What's like a, a piece of of knowledge, of wisdom about the journey of sobriety, whether somebody's on that journey or not? Mm. I guess the one thing, if you're not on that journey yet, you have to step through that curtain of fear. Okay. You have to be willing mm -hmm. just to try. Yeah. You know, hey, you can always go back to the miserable life you're leading if you want. Yeah. But give yourself an honest chance. Okay. There's a reading in how it works that... I ended up memorizing because I read it so much. Mm -hmm. In fact, I get teased about it occasionally. George, you want to recite how it works? <laughs> and three times they work, They use the word honesty ah. with yourself. Okay. Learning to be honest with yourself. And if you honestly have a problem, yeah. the only thing shameful about having being an alcoholic or mm -hmm. being in the midst of alcoholism yeah. Is not doing something about it. Ah. Uh, if, if I was a diabetic, I'd have to take a shot. Yeah. I'm an alcoholic, so I, I need to go to meetings with people that understand my thinking. Yeah. People to understand that something really little mm. is driving me crazy. Yeah. And that if I don't share it, I might pick up a drink. Yeah. I don't know. Right. And... You know, you can't share that with somebody that hasn't been there. You can try, but they wouldn't understand it. Yeah. They'd be like, 
like my wife thought I always made a conscious decision to go into that bar. Ah. Uh. I'm like, yeah, probably about two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I didn't get to the bar till six, but Right, right. You weren't not until yeah. I, I think it's uh, just being honest with yourself. That's that's what clicked for me. You know, I mean everybody has to face consequences before they realize not everybody, but it, it's it's like most people have to face yeah. consequences before right. they're pushed into making a change. Yeah. Because change is fearful no matter what you do. Right. And uh, like the court system, mm-hmm. they send people to AA. It's like a punishment. It Sometimes it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You know, they're here to get a sheet signed. And the first thing I try to give them as a message is, hey, you know, you got to be here for 18 months. Yeah, might as well listen. Right. Maybe you can relate to something. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could try a few things. And, uh, you know, hopefully that seed gets planted. Right. You know, I, I can't control another person, whether they're going to drink or drug or stay sober. Right. I had a hard time with that when I tried to help people. I've had a couple people that went back out to that lifestyle. Right. And I feel like I did something wrong. Right. And uh, I had to realize that I carried the message. Mm-hmm. I don't carry the person. Mm-hmm. And all I could do is, you know, if, if, if they stick around, is try to help them. And if they go back out, is pray for them. Yeah. What, what would you want people to know who don't have an addiction about the journey of sobriety? Those um, that are on the outside of yeah, this. Yeah, They have, well, one of the things that, that help some people is Al-Anon. It's a, huh. it's a group of people that have loved ones that are alcoholics. Yeah. That are either trying to get mm-hmm. sober or really don't want anything to do with sobriety. Huh. They haven't reached a bottom or a consequence. Yeah. You know, mothers are great enablers, even my mother. Yeah. I could do no wrong in my mother's eyes. Yeah. The first month of sobriety, she came over to the house. And she, she left a $100 bill on the TV going, in case you want something, a pizza or something. And I'm like, lady? <laughs> <laughs> Not helpful. Instantly Not my help. mind started to think of how much booze, where I can go, what I can Right, do. right. Like, like, no, please no, take the 100 no. back. <laughs> but, you know, they're, all you can do is support them. Yeah. You know, your emotions, if you're on the outside and trying to live with a person you love a person that's an alcoholic and trying to get sober, you just do the best you can to support them. Yeah. You're going to say something that's going to offend them. Yeah. All I can say is when they get angry and they yell, scream, or whatever, don't jump into that. Don't let them bait you into an argument. Right. It's best just to let them vent. Right. You can end an argument really really quick by just saying I love you yeah you know that Al-Anon support group teaches people that you 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 can love a person all you want Mm -hmm. but you can't control like I said the love of my own wife wasn't going to get me sober right the love of your children wasn't going to get you sober I mean it was like right there was nothing other than myself being willing 
Yeah. And, you know, I had to face the consequence of losing my job. Yeah. Thank God I was a workaholic, too, because I probably wouldn't have done anything if work didn't mean so much to me. Right, right. You know, I mean, you could say that I, that, that that work addiction that I had was bad, mm-hmm. but it was actually what saved me. Ah. Uh. If I didn't have that needing to work to feel like I was okay, right. maybe losing my job wouldn't have been a consequence right. that I would have got sober of. So it's kind of interesting because you've had to first, your job saved you yeah. of sorts. Yeah. Um, it, it started you down the path of sobriety. But then, and I remember this distinctly with you, of when that job came to an end of then having to deal with your work addiction. Yeah. yeah. And how difficult that was. But that because of the process that you had gone through with AA, you were able ultimately to apply it to that. Yes, yes. And I, I've found that just about the, the 12 steps of AA, I can apply to just about everything. Yeah. There, there's an answer there. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, <laughs> we say in AA, we don't, we don't give uh, direction, we give suggestions. Mm. And somebody brought it up about the Ten Commandments okay. the other day, and I went, yeah, if they'd have called them suggestions instead of commandments, maybe some of us would have listened to them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't want rules. I don't right? want rules. <laughs> right. Don't uh, give me rules. Know, it's, it, they go hand in hand together. Spirituality. Yeah. You know, you, you'll hear that the fellowship I belong to is spiritual in nature, not religious. Mm. And... We joke about it. That okay. Religion's for people that don't want to go to hell. Spirituality <laughs> is for people that's already been there. I ah, you <laughs> go. <laughs> and I tell people, well, the way I look at it today, you see, I was brought up religiously. Yeah. In the same Presbyterian church. Yeah. Not here, but in Ecorse. But to me, religious was teaching back then, this is how you should live. Mm-hmm. This is what you should believe in. Yeah. And to me, spirituality, there's a choice in how I believe. Yeah. I, I don't know if that explains it right, but... I No, I, I think I can see. Yeah. It wasn't so much, you have to believe this. Yeah. It, I And I think that was more a culture of the 1950s yeah. than it was because, you know, we've had conversations about that that's not how I work. That's yeah. not how I preach. Oh, I love how right, know, right. It's very the way open. You can take right. two thousand year old scripture that, if I read it myself, is frankly meaningless at times. Yeah, I, I don't grab anything out of it. Yeah, but how you can turn it into today's reality? Yeah, and how do you use this today? Right, and that I ask you, how do you use it? And it's so now. Much, I yeah. leave here on a weekly basis. Yeah, with food for thought. Yeah, and. I don't know if it's my willingness that got me listening mm-hmm. or, or what the change was, but I, you know, it, it just amazes me that uh, I listen and I'm like, wow, yeah, that would, that would have worked last week if I'd have thought, if I'd have <laughs> heard this last week. Well, but, I think I remember early on, um, I don't even know what the sermon was about. 
And you said afterwards, you're like, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, yeah. And you go, I don't think I agree with you. And I said, George, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I don't have to agree with you? I said, no. My point was to leave it open-ended. That, yeah. you know, you've got to figure out how this works for you. And that's, that's what I mean. Our yeah. own perception of a power greater than ourselves. Ah, yeah. Of God. Yeah. Our own perception. How do I see him in my life? It's amazing today because now I look for him. Yeah. You know, it's, well, like lately with um, working out and stuff, I ride my bike like everywhere. Yeah. You would be amazed at how many things you miss when you're driving Mm. a car. When you're riding a bike, it's like a whole different world. Yeah. (laughs) It is. Yeah. I I rode from uh, 4th Street in Eureka over to... Goddard and Pardee to a meeting, which is about a three and a half, four mile one way. Okay. And, you know, the first thing I do is I get on my my iPod, pad, or whatever, and uh, make sure I can Google Maps to check all the sidewalks. Yeah. I ain't riding in the street. (laughs) Right. But I get my sidewalk path all laid out, and it's amazing. The ride itself is just amazing. Yeah. And all, it's like, oh, look at over there. I never noticed that before. Hey, I never noticed that one before. You you cause you see the world yeah. in a totally it's different like, way now. When did they plant that tree? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one last question. Mm-hmm. What piece of wisdom do you try to live by? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking everybody who does an interview with me. Oh. I guess... Uh, Hmm. There's so many things, principles that I try to live by today. Yeah. You know, um, they involve AA steps, principles of AA. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I got to remember mm-hmm. is that I've got to be willing to listen to a different opinion. Oh, nice. You see, if I etch everything, all my principles in stone. Yeah. And etch all I believe in stone. Uh-huh. Then all of a sudden, I think I know better. Ah. Uh, I'm never yep. going to know better than everybody. All right. So the one thing I realized that although all my principles and the way I live my life is working great for me now. Yeah. If I'm not willing to listen to somebody else's opinion. Right. Then I'm never going to change. Yeah. Doesn't. It's kind of like what got me sober and got me in to sobriety yeah. and what keeps me sober now. Mm-hmm. Two different things. Yeah. You know, I have to be willing to change, yeah. willing to grow. As soon as I'm stuck, what keeps me happy today might not keep me happy tomorrow. Yeah. If I'm yeah. not willing to change my opinion, mm-hmm. change my perception. Yeah then all of a sudden I'm the center of the universe again. And Ah. I know where that leads me. Yeah. I know that leads me with anger, frustration, resentments, Mm -hmm. down a road that I already been there. I don't want to go back there. Right, right. So, you know, even when I don't agree with somebody, somewhere down the line, I'll be glad that I listened to that person. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's just being open-minded. Nice. Would be the best you know, if, if you close your mind off and you know better, yeah, you don't want to be there. 
I've been there, and all I can say is keep an open mind. Mm. Well, thank you, George. Um, it's always a pleasure. Always love talking with you. Um, for those who are like, man, that guy has some wisdom. I'd like to talk to him. You can find him generally every Sunday right here at the church, and he is always, always happy to talk, yes. uh, even if it's through the service. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, just a reminder, this is a sharing of a story, and if you or someone you love is struggling with addiction and sobriety, um, that this was not meant uh, as a uh, doctor or no. psychological, and that um, may you go find and, and speak with those in, in positions such as doctors or therapists um, to get help. Uh, thank you, George. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we will be talking again. May, wherever you find yourself this week, may you be blessed. And as uh, George was saying, may you share some faith, hope, and love.